Bet with the Island Luck Sportsbook and you can win a trip to the NBA Finals. Every wager of 10 bucks or more enters you into the raffle for an opportunity to win the grand prize. And that includes round-trip tickets to the NBA Finals host city, a three-night stay, tickets to the game, and $2,000 cash. Promotion available through May 31st. Welcome to the Casuals Podcast. We watch basketball, so you don't have to. Of course, a part of the 10th Year Seniors Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs, conference semifinals. We got one game seven so far. And usually I get this feeling during the course of the NFL playoffs. Well, the course of the NFL season, really, because we know nothing about the NFL until about week 13, 14, I would say, and then you get a handle on who's who and what is what. Usually with the NBA, I think you get a clear understanding from the very beginning. And over the course of seven game series, the best teams usually win out. I feel like the NBA is more often than not the easier one to predict. I don't know what the hell is going on in round two. I I am completely lost. And I want to start with the most puzzling result to me. And this comes from my confirmation bias of being a Phoenix fan, of being a DeAndre Ayton fan. Phoenix, what the hell? What what the hell? I I don't understand this series. I understand that Luka is basically a life hack on the basketball court. The kind of things that he's doing right now and the way that he's in such control of every single aspect of the game It's kind of surreal to watch when you realize how young Luka is and the fact that I don't even think he's in his prime yet because nobody's in their prime this young. Maybe when he hits mid-20s, you could say, yeah, Luka's in his prime. What is that going to look like? Like, there was one particular move that he made, and this only put the Mavericks up one in the first quarter where he did a spin move into the step back to hit a three, put the Mavericks up 20 to 19, and I thought, is this shit going to happen again? Because it was game four when they had the surreal shooting night where the Mavericks made 23, shot 45% from beyond the arc. And I thought, yeah, there's no way that's happening again. And, of course, they regressed towards the mean in game five where Finney Smith, Bullock, and uh, who was the third guy? Bertens was the third guy, maybe? Or Dan Weedy? I don't know. Oh, sorry, Dwight Powell, where you had three starters combined for eight points, eight rebounds, and three assists. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty much closer to what this Mavericks roster around Luka looks like. Phoenix is going to walk all over them, get rid of this quickly, get as much rest as possible for whoever you face next, the Warriors. That did not happen in game six. Like, And even if you had the Mavericks winning this game, nobody had... A 30-piece? With an opportunity to move on to your second conference finals in a row. How do you get 30-piece from a Mavericks roster that does not have a single player outside of Luka Doncic that a team would look at and say, yeah, we're comfortable with this being our second, maybe even third guy? I mean, Jalen Brunson is going to probably get one of those contracts, but... 
do you see Jalen Brunson as any more than a third or fourth contributor on a contending team? There's nobody else on this roster even close to that stratosphere. Yet they damn near 40-piece Phoenix at home. And I sat up watching this game thinking to myself, is Luka this good or is Phoenix this bad? Because how do you go from a team that dominated the regular season, looked like world beaters throughout, like the only hiccup Phoenix had over the course of the year was the beginning of the season. After that, they reeled off like 17 and 18 wins or something like that, and it was clearly, it was clear that they were going to be the best team for the NBA all year. Dallas was elite in the second half, so obviously something was going to give in this series. I did not think that the something that was going to give is the Phoenix Suns defense. I didn't see that one happening. So we're all left looking at this and watching, thinking, well, two things about Luka. Is he this good or is the Phoenix defense that bad? And does he even have to be in shape in the offseason? Can he do the hardened stuff in the offseason if at the end of the year he's going to look like this? Because... It's become now kind of normal in NBA spaces just to criticize Luka the way he comes into the season. And yeah, he starts the year looking a little doughy. Like, nope, that's irrefutable. He does not look, <laughs> he does not look like this Luka Doncic when the season starts in the fall. He plays himself into shape. And if this is the end result, how do you even, I, I don't know, how do you even tell him to change what he does in the offseason? Because in his mind, I, he's thinking, this team is not actually good enough for us to win. Like, I'm going to make a run. I'm going to build my legacy. But I'm sure Luka Doncic is intelligent enough about basketball to know that this is not a championship team. Not until he gets a legit star next to him, or maybe two, is this going to be a championship team. And you can draw comparisons to Giannis with the Bucks, But yeah, Giannis also had Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Those are all stars. The Bucks roster is much more complete and much more well-rounded than this Mavericks roster is. So it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. But, dog, if Luke is going to do this, and he's going to be on this trajectory, how soon are we going to put him in top-of-the-league conversations right now? And if he's already in top-of-the-league conversations... What does his resume have to look like before he enters the hollowed space of that top 20, top 10 kind of conversations? Because there were very few people you saw doing this at Luca's age. And I know how much you love LeBron. I know how much you may love Kobe. I know how much you may love Mike. Luca's ahead of the curve. Luca's ahead of the curve. And after he runs up these numbers on a bad team, and if he wins this game seven, that's a huge resume builder heading into getting a better team. How far is the Luka thing going to go? And is the Luka thing going to be what unravels the end of CP3's career? Because you got to think this is the best chance here. Pretty good opportunity last year against Milwaukee, but if CP3 doesn't get it done now, it probably never happens. It never happens. So I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what the plan is for Luca. You got Mikhail Bridges, who 
was a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. Somebody who you thought, if he couldn't slow Luka down, you can at least you can at least rely on him to make things <laughs> a bit difficult in crunch time. Well, shit, there ain't been much crunch time because it's been a blowout on either side. But Luka pretty much throwing that Mikhail Bridges depoy campaign Phoenix had going on in the trash. Because it's like he's not even there. There's not been a single Phoenix defender that has even made things slightly difficult for Luka. He's 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 dominating on the perimeter. He's taking bigs in the posts. He's and now you see why before the season there were pretty good odds on him to get MVP. Oh, on a great gambling note, by the way, shout out to IL Sportsbook and the eight and double double boost that you were eligible to get before that game. So the odds on the eight and double double was minus one fifty five. With the boost that special that they had going on, you got that at plus 100, and Aiton hit that. He had 21 and 11. Maybe that's the answer. I, I don't I don't know, but even with him with a double-double, they're getting 40-piece. I just don't see how... And he's not the ki- t- type of big that can't stay on the floor if Dallas is playing this five-wide offense. Like He can move his feet. He's mobile. You can play him. He should be dominating inside. I don't... Monty Williams knows much more about this shit than me. I don't know, but that was just my biggest takeaway from staying up way too late and being crestfallen that that series is not over. Let's move on to the other game six that we had last night. Philly is up out of there, and once again, it proved that spite is still the most powerful tool known to mankind. And I say that for one reason and one reason only. Jimmy Butler. If you ask anybody who follows the NBA, if Jimmy Butler is a superstar outside of somebody that snorts heat culture in their nose, no one's going to consider Jimmy Butler a superstar. Jimmy Butler is easily the best player in this series, and that's with Joel Embiid on the floor. And yeah, I know Joel Embiid is breaking down towards the end of the season, kind of like he's Gronkowski. He's got a broken face. He's got ligament damage on his thumb. But <laughs> Jimmy, this was Jimmy Butler's series. And to top off... His campaign of spite was that beautiful moment where he walked to the locker room saying, Tobias Harris over me? And a series of other expletives that nobody could hear unless you were standing right next to him. But that just goes to show you that the Philly experience that Jimmy Butler had still is with him. He's already been to the finals with the Miami Heat. He is still carrying this grudge against Philly for the way they handled that situation. Now, I get it because you see how him and Joel Embiid are still tight. And I thought that Philly team that had Jimmy Embiid and J.J. Redick was a team that could win an NBA championship. But to see that even though Jimmy Jimmy Butler's already exceeded anything the process in Philly has done, just by him making the finals, carrying the heat to the finals against the Lakers, that's better than anything Philly has done over the course of this run. So he already won that. But he's still carrying that with him. And he's still carrying it playing against Tobias Harris. Now, it was probably more of a Ben Simmons against Jimmy argument, truth be told. But nah, dog, Tobias Harris got to catch these strays. That's just what it is. 
Oh, I said Jimmy Butler was the Heat superstar in this series. Maybe it was him and Max Struess. Because Max Struess had a better closeout game than anybody on Philly. Anybody. I guess we got to talk about James Harden because of that, right? And... (laughs) What is that to say about James Harden? Clearly nobody won the Simmons-Harden trade, at least not for this season anyway. Because who won with that? Ben Simmons never played. James Harden was that guy. I don't know what the hell that was. Did he even take a shot in the second half? Because I think he had 11 at the half, and he finished with 11. What is that? What is that? If If there was going to be a game where you legitimize all of the reasons that you wanted to get to Philly. Wasn't that the game there? The season on the line game, 11 shots? Is is that better than having Harden sitting? I mean, sorry. Is that better than having Simmons sitting on the bench? Because maybe this team would have been better off just keeping Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. The Harden thing didn't work out for Philly. Clearly, it didn't work out for the Nets. I don't know what happens from here. Harden is owed like something like $41 million next season. That's his cap hit. And that's somebody that scored 11 points with your season on the line. And that's somebody who, after the game, Joel Embiid gave voice to him not being that guy anymore. Because he, he was thinking the same thing all of us were thinking. Yeah, you expect Houston Harden. You expect the dribbles between the legs at the top of the key to step back three. Blowing by people, lobbing up, easy assist to one of your front court players, or just dunking on somebody, a tough finish because you're bigger, faster, stronger than people. And Joel Embiid was like, yeah, you could expect that, but he's not that guy anymore. And I don't even think that was Embiid throwing shade at him. I was, I thought that was him in his most honest moment, just saying, you have to temper your expectations because it's not what you think it is. So I don't know what the hardened career path is from here. I don't know if it's because of everything that's going on with YSL. That might be it. Maybe he is so caught up with the indictments and everything that's going on with Atlanta hip-hop that he can't concentrate. Because it's not just YSL. 4PF was named in that too. Is he going to see how real this stuff is? Is he going to see the disconnect between the street life, hip-hop, and the NBA life? And is it going to cause him reinvigorate his career and really just focus on basketball and the other stuff? Or or is he concerned that he did some shit that's going to get him dragged into this and basketball has now become secondary? I don't know. I'm grasping at straws because I want James Harden to be great and... It just doesn't look like James Harden's great anymore. And that's kind of heartbreaking. All right, that's enough of that wallowing and self-loathing and pity and losing and all of that shit. Let's get to Friday night's games. Let's get to a couple very intriguing game sixes and an opportunity to make some money as long as you're betting with the Island Luck Sportsbook and an opportunity to win a trip to the finals Celtics Bucks game six in Milwaukee, a closeout game for Giannis. Bucks favored by a point and a half. You can get minus one ten on those odds. Money line, you've got the Bucks minus one twenty one. Celtics money line at plus one oh two. Over under on this game, two hundred ten and a half points. 
minus 112 on the Bucks, minus 110 on the Celtics. This has been easily the best series by far. By far. And it's been the most entertaining series because we're not getting a blowout every other night. You had an Al Horford game in this series. You had several Giannis games in this series. And now you had a Drew Holiday game in this series because what Drew Holiday did at the end of that... My favorite part of the Drew Holiday series to end Game 5 was the fact that Drew Holiday was going to be the scapegoat for that awful offensive possession that he had. And a couple plays later, sorry, not just a couple plays, he makes all of the plays down the stretch to win that game. After the Bucks down six, Giannis steps into that huge three. After that, the rest of the game belonged to Drew Holiday. He had the big three-pointer. He had the block on Marcus Smart. He had the steal on Marcus Smart. That's a guy stepping up to be the number two. And we were talking about this off-air, why this series was going to be so difficult and why most people were going to take the Celtics in this is because how do you fill that Chris Middleton void? Yeah, role players are going to have to step up, but it's not just as easy as saying we're going to have to account for 23 to 25 points per game. It's in those moments where Chris Middleton makes those plays, whether he's on or not. He makes those kind of plays offensively. He can get the ball out of Giannis's hand, and he can go get it himself. You've got to have that. And Drew Holiday has become that guy. You may not like all of the decision-making, but Drew Holiday is taking and making those shots. That's a real thing that's happening. Like, he had an Al Horford last minute 30. Yeah, we're using Al Horford now to describe elite levels of basketball play. That's... That's what it is now. I'm, I'm fine with that. So for game six, a couple of the odds I like, you can get Tatum for a double-double at plus 300 because I think, I think Jason Tatum is a bona fide superstar. And these are the legacy games for a bona fide superstar. The last time he had an opportunity for a legacy game, Baum at a bio met him at the rim and blocked him. wonder if that's going to happen with Giannis tonight. Definitely flashback possibilities. But I think Jason Tatum is going to have an incredible game. Whether it has any... Whether the Celtics win or lose, it's not going to be on Jason Tatum. I think he balls out. Plus 300 on him getting a double-double. And Marcus Smart has... He has a whole lot to make up for. Not that that game was actually on him. But you know the hyper-competitive nature of people, and Marcus Smart feels like the end of that game, there were plays that he could have made, because he had a great game up until that point. There were plays that he could have made. So you can get him at over-under, two-and-a-half, three-pointers, so three. So Marcus Smart at making three threes, you could get that at plus 110. I think those are pretty good odds. Over on the other side, this is a stretch, but in the same way, I think... Tatum has an opportunity to have an elite closeout game. We've seen what Giannis does in closeout games. Ask the Suns. They got a 50-piece, and the next day he went to Chick-fil-A to order what? A 50-piece. So I'm going Giannis plus 750 to get a triple-double. I feel like the Giannis triple-double is happening. It happened in game one of this series, and I think it happens to close out this series. Giannis... Plus 750 to get a triple-double game six tonight. Also, 
it's clear that the sports book does not believe that Brooke Lopez is going to do anything in this game. You can get plus 105 for Brooke Lopez to get a single assist and plus 120 for Brooke Lopez to hit a single three. He's over five in this series from beyond the arc, but he's taken five. I feel like he gets one assist because how difficult is that to get one assist? Obviously very difficult because they wouldn't have said, they wouldn't have had it as an option if he was capable of that. But I like Bucks in this one. Um I'm taking the points. I think it's gonna it's gonna end in a close game again. But I like Milwaukee to move on and I'm already looking ahead to Bucks Heat. I know people it would be better for the NBA. It would be better from a strictly entertainment standpoint for this to go seven games because it's been the best series and it feels like the winner of this is the best team in the league. But I just think Giannis closes closes the game out at home here because you do not want to go back to Boston and face that. You, you already escaped with the win that you probably shouldn't have had on the road. You got to close it out now because you go back to Boston for game seven and I think the Celtics run away with it. And I think Giannis knows that. That's why I'm, I'm looking for him to go with the triple-double here and I'm taking the Bucks at home. Game two tonight, Grizzlies at Warriors. The Western Conference is so goddamn confusing. I get the Grizzlies being great in the regular season without Jamar. Actually, I don't get that. I get them surviving without Jamar. I get them even being good without Jamar. I don't get them being 20 and 5 without their superstar MVP candidate face of the franchise guy. That is strange. And I know Bill Simmons Ewing theory. And if you don't know it, it's it's this theory that when the star player goes down, the rest of the lineup really boost their efforts to make up for that loss because they get to play with the everybody doesn't believe in a chip on their shoulder. That's real in Memphis. Like The way this team plays, the way they carry themselves on and off the floor, the way they get the fans ingratiated into it, it's like this is the city of Memphis. They play in hustle and flow when whoop that trick is... Whoop that trick is the rallying cry for their fans. Memphis got a lot of music. Hustle and flow. <laughs> like, that's what they're riding with. All right. But that's what the Grizzlies are. And to see them win a game by damn near 50 without John Morant, with an opportunity for the Warriors to close out the series and move on, I don't know how to explain that. I don't even know if the Grizzlies know how to explain that. I know the Warriors don't know how to explain that, and it ain't just Kerr catching COVID. Because when Luke Walton was there while Kerr was out, Luke Walton became statistically the greatest NBA coach of all time. Had that work out for him in Sacramento when he didn't have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond. Not so good. All right, game six. Warriors favored by eight at home. Lines on both of these. Uh, you could get that at minus 110, whether you go Warriors or Grizzlies. Moneyline, Warriors minus 360, Grizzlies plus 280. Over-under on this game, 217.5 points. You can get that on either side at minus 110. I like this Steven Adams to get a double-double. You could get that at plus 270. In the first series of the playoffs, 
couldn't really get Steven Adams on the floor. And it looked like it was trending toward that direction again in this series before John Morant got hurt and Taylor Jenkins decided to go big. Well, that paid immediate dividends because Steven Adams stepped up and had a double-double in his first start. I think he I think he can do that just about every time as long as he gets the playing time because against a front line anchored by Kevon Looney and Draymond Green, you ain't keeping Steven Adams off the boards. That's just not happening. And it's not like Jaron Jackson stealing rebounds from him anyway. I like Steven Adams to get the double-double. Plus 270 is solid odds on that. And Tyus Jones over under 7.5 assists. You can get that at plus 110. The assists got to come from somewhere. He's a much different kind of point guard than Ja Morant. Much more of a distributor. And if the Grizzlies are going to overcome this 8-point spread, I think it's because Tyus Jones is getting people the ball in right spaces. I could see him getting eight assists in this game easily. Particularly if this game is close, I could see that happening. Andrew Wiggins over under one and a half three-pointers. You could get that at plus 125. I like it. I always think that Wiggins, every game he has the opportunity to have at least five open threes. If you watch a Warriors game, he's get, he is getting all of the shots that Harrison Barnes got during the original Warriors one that he missed so much that forced them to get Kevin Durant. Andrew Wiggins is getting those same shots. And with those same shots, he became an all-star. So him getting two three-pointers, I'm good with that. I'm taking that one. You can get that at plus 125. And this one is a bet with my head, but I feel like it's more so with my heart. Klay Thompson over under 21 and a half points. And the Warriors win. Tied in there. Combo. That's special. You get that at plus 130. Because I feel like those two results are connected. These combo specials have not worked out for me in the playoffs so far, but I feel like if I keep going at it every day, at some point it's going to. So I like the Clay scoring at least 22 in a Warriors win. I also think the Warriors close out this series tonight. It's been blowout after blowout. I'm not even surprised if the Warriors surpass this eight point line because that's just the way this series has been going. And after getting your ass kicked in game five, how could you not come out ready to close this out at home? So I'm taking the Warriors in this extremely confusing playoffs that we've been having so far and this extremely confusing series. Don't forget, any wager of $10 or more on the Island Look Sportsbook enters you into the sweepstakes with a chance to win an opportunity to head to the NBA Finals. We're going to try to do as much of this as possible. You know what? I think after tonight, I'm going to have to come back to the studio and lay something down because it's shaping up to be one of those nights. 